You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fairies, mermaids, and pirates. Welcome to the magical world of Walt Disney's Animation Studios. I'm excited what we're talking about today. It's the second start of the right. It's an island. No, it's a dream. Wait, no, it's Neverland. Guys, this is Systematic Geekology. We are the Priest of the Geeks. I am Joshua Knoll. I had to do two intros for this Disney classic. Uh, as you guys know, I am the Dis nerd of our group. And um, I, I'm joined by, I, I don't know if he'd consider himself another Disney, but he's been on here a few other times. I think this is his favorite Disney movie. Um, one of those, Chris Nashley. Your second favorite. What's your favorite? The Incredibles. But if we're doing pure Disney, then it's Peter Pan. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and we felt like we had to, to bring in a special guest, an artist, and someone who does work with Disney sometimes. Uh, Brianna Matthews. I know her from the same camp that, uh, TJ Blackwell and I met at and all that. So, uh, Brianna, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, what is uh, what have you been geeking out on lately? Anything you've been like into recently? Um, yeah, I'm super, super late to the game. We just watched Wakanda <laughs> forever, <laughs> like just now. Um, but we just watched the uh, the Voices Rising segment they did. I don't know if you've seen that. They go behind the scenes to show all the music they created. And like how they traveled to all these countries to pick up all these um, like different cultural sound bites and instruments. So mm. even though we're very late on picking up the Marvel Universe, <laughs> that's what we uh, we've been like watching it in segments lately. So that's yeah. what we've been doing. <laughs> no, that's pretty cool. No, I I feel like. I'm at a point where I'm completely understanding of just waiting until things are on Disney Plus. <laughs> when you have or a streaming. kid, oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I got really into the Scream movies last year. I first saw them for the first time, and I loved them. And then, like, mm. the new one came out, and I was like, "Should I go to the theater?" And I'm like, "You know, it's gonna be like three weeks till it's on a streaming service. I will just wait." <laughs> just wait. Well, my wife hates the smell of popcorn. And I honestly oh. would rather eat steak while I watch a movie than eat popcorn anyway. So I'm like, <laughs> I'll just, I don't mind waiting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big meat eater, you know? <laughs> so with <laughs> that's what I'm geeking out on meat. All right. On to the, <laughs> the actual episode. You really are Lucy. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. So today we are discussing what, what could be seen as a controversial movie uh, often is a considered just a disney classic i know it's a lot of people's favorite disney movie um growing up i think i really thought that this was part of like the renaissance that it came out at the same time as like tarzan and all that because it has the same like look right like as a kid you can't really tell that much and now as an adult i'm like dang they really went all out like this was the 50s and it looked that good that's impressive um but you know it was it wasn't really one of my favorites growing up um it was one of my favorite kingdom heart levels and of course, I really enjoyed their take in Once Upon a Time. I thought that was fun. But I, I don't know. I didn't have too much of a connection with it until we started doing this Disney thing. And I've been rewatching all the movies from the beginning. And I'm like, oh, this was this was actually really cool. Um, Brianna, let's start with you. What was your relationship to the Peter Pan movie? Like, what has uh, your connection to this been? I don't think I. it was like one of my favorites growing up. We definitely watched it. Um, but I... 
I think it was just a VHS that we owned that we popped in every once in a while. For me, it wasn't like the top Disney. Um, but as I got older, I started when I started studying art a little bit more. Mary Blair was a name that popped up a lot in a lot of um, Disney art history. And her work on this movie is like some of my favorites. So for me, it wasn't as much of the movie as much as it was the artwork of the movie. Um, and I didn't build that connection until I got a little bit older as well. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um just some of the effects and different stuff that I am not artistic at all. Like I have absolutely <laughs> no talent, <laughs> no creativity, but I like to learn about it from a yeah. distance. <laughs> so yeah, I, I did find this one, especially being the last of the Disney animation films that all nine of Disney's old nine, nine old men talk about them later. Mm-hmm all worked on the same project. You know, they all worked on other projects later, but this was the last one that they were all together for. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian, what is, uh, what's your history with Peter Pan? Well, likewise, I watched it a ton of times VHS wise back in the day. And then again, when the DVDs came out and like Joshua mentioned, this is my well, favorite pure Disney movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love the, the sense of wonder that you get the sense of being like a child in positive ways and how, but at a certain time there does need to be room <laughs> to grow up. We'll get to that a lot later, man. But it's just so much fun watching this movie. Yeah. Well, a lot of my opinions with this too, there, there you, did, you have to do a little bit of a uh, preliminary work to get to, you know, um, I, was, I was talking about Christian beforehand. One of the big changes they make from the play in the book into this movie that literally almost nobody cares about, except for the fact that I'm on a geek pod. So someone's going to care. So this is great. Uh, the Disney film changed Tinkerbell's mythological race. She was supposed to be a fairy. And in this, she's a pixie, which there are some differences that make that important. Like the fact that she is yellow instead of looking humanoid, which is what it looks like they're going to do more of in the live action film. So that's kind of interesting. Technically closer to the source material. <laughs> um, yeah. Wingspan's different. Life range is different. There's a lot of differences between fairies and pixies, but I'm just planting that seed now for when that comes up later. (laughs) And of course, we have to talk about what happened with Disney's mom. I feel like we didn't get to many of the movies that really showed this much. But if you follow Disney and Pixar, you know, Finding Nemo, this movie with Peter Pan, um, Bambi, etc. There's a lot of tragedy around mom characters in Disney movies. And it is because I think it was 1938. I, I don't know. Someone might be able to correct me. But Disney and is it Ron or Roy? We messed this up Roy. last time. Roy. It's Roy. <laughs> we okay, so yeah. Totally last yeah. time. Walt, Walt and Roy, they were working on like a home built firmness or something that supposedly is what caused the gas leak that killed their mother. So he always kind of blamed himself. And you see that in these movies a lot. So that tragedy, 1938. OK, cool. But that tragedy kind of surrounds a lot of what we see throughout these movies. And I think that's why Peter Pan was going to be the second Disney movie at one point. He really wanted to do Peter Pan right after Snow White. It didn't happen. And with this series, you know, we're going through the different eras of Disney. We started with the gold era. We've been doing the wartime era. And we mentioned like a lot of stuff in the package film wartime era was kind of backtracking because they didn't have as many funds. So now we're in the silver era. This is the first film we're covering in the silver era. And that's when Disney's able to start doing these things he's been wanting to do for a while. We saw that with, uh, was it Mr. Toad they had already been working on at the end of wartime era? And now we're yes. getting into these where he's like, no, this is, these are the movies he wanted to do. So this is like Walt living his dream right here at the end. And it's 
pretty phenomenal. Yeah. So have either of y'all ever read The Little White Bird by James Barry? I have not. I have not Do read it, but I watched it. Finding Neverland, <laughs> which was loosely, loosely adapted. I'm ah. not sure if I've seen that one or not. It's now been a while, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. It's a little bit older. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the book is like the origins of Peter Pan. And this is like what frames a lot of what we see in this play, movie, whatever. It starts where like he just flies away because he forgets that he can't fly. And then he remembers by the time he makes it to an island and then he's just kind of left there. But it's like an island of birds. So never like you're going through the Peter Pan movie and he's like doing the cock-a-doodle-doo or it's like, oh, you're flying like mm-hmm. a sparrow. There's all these like little references to birds. It's because at one point in this book, it said that Peter, because he was raised by birds and he eventually figured out how to fly again, thanks to fairies and not pixies. Um, <laughs> he was it was kind of said that he was neither human nor bird. <laughs> And you kind of see a lot of like little hints of that, like references of how like Peter's kind of a bird throughout the movie. So that's always kind of funny. Um, and then I think the the big key, though, the way the story ends, Peter remembers he had a family. And he was like, oh, crap, I forgot about that family of mine. And he went back. The window was open and his mom was crying. And he was like, wait a minute. If I go back, she's never going to let me back out. Let me go back and say my goodbyes. Saying goodbyes took forever. I'm skipping a lot of stuff, but he eventually goes back again, finds the same window as Bard and his mom's holding a new baby into him. He was replaced. So that's how he feels. So that's where when we pick up in Neverland. That's where he's like, doesn't really like parents, doesn't like the idea of growing up. And he's kind of a little bit jaded, actually. So kind of it's a fun interesting because a lot of the adaptations, not just Disney, include so many of those tiny details. Yeah. Like no matter what adaptation you can see where those little details are coming in to play. Yeah. And it is, it's a really fun story. I mean, sad story, but it's good. <laughs> I recommend it, <laughs> but yeah. So, so you mentioned other adaptations. What are, what are some of the other ones that y'all know? Cause I know there was a silent film before the Disney ones and you, you mentioned finding Neverland. Mm-hmm. About J.M. Barry. Hook is my favorite. Like Hook is down. a really good one. Yeah. I like my childhood movie I, I like the once upon a time one but it was like very not accurate to anything at all <laughs> they just oh, they yeah. basically they made peter pan like um what, what's the, the, the piper i'm trying to think pied piper yeah they made yeah. him a lot more like that character than the peter pan characters so i was like eh. they just need a new villain we're just like oh let's do this and to be fair it's kind of easy to make peter pan into a villain yeah, yeah well especially the end of the play that kid's dark man <laughs> Yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait till I wait. I'll wait on that. Um, <laughs> Brianna, do you want to just kind of summarize what is Peter Pan or Peter Pan and Wendy, depending on how you say it, I guess. Because the, the novel was called Peter Pan and Wendy. Yeah. You, yeah. So the, the, the new movie, or are you talking about the novel? Oh, uh, the just, story of Peter Yeah, just Pan? like the basic story. I think originally he kidnapped children. Um, there's a few different iterations I've heard, but I know that in the originally he kidnapped children, but in the Disney version, he. Um, he lost his shadow and Wendy sews it back on when he comes back to get it. Um, but the whole thing is Peter Pan taking kids to Neverland and it's this magical place with different groups. Um, and by the end of it, you have these kids learning to fly. You have them getting captured by different groups, um, playing all these games. And at the end you're fighting pirates. And, um, the thing I I just finished (laughs) watching it 
because I started it like two days ago and just finished it like an hour before this. Um, <laughs> but the end of it has them sailing away on the pirate ship. Um, and that, my favorite part of it was the ending where they're all staring out the window, um, looking up at the pirate ship and the dad comes to this realization like, I think I saw that once before. And um, you have these kids who live this adventure and you can see the realization of their parents at the end that that looks familiar and maybe their parents experience that too. Well, there's a lot of um, muddled stuff around Peter Pan. Cause there was like, I feel like the original author, I forget his name now. And I just said it a minute ago. Barry. Yeah. He yeah, had so many different versions before he got to the Peter Pan and Wendy story. So like there mm-hmm. was already a lot of baggage to this Peter Pan character when you come into it. But as a kid watching this movie, you don't have any of that. Right. So like the Disney version is able to be a lot more fun. <laughs> They cut um, out a lot of the dark scenes. Yeah. Yeah. They changed the ending pretty rapidly. A, a lot of the stuff in between is pretty much the same. One thing that I thought was interesting, though, is uh, the second start of the right, that song. So originally mm-hmm. the melody was written for a Wonderland song mm-hmm. that they didn't use. So then they used it here for second star on the right, which isn't really a part of the play or book or anything. Like in the play, in the book, it's just an island. But mm-hmm. Disney was like, that doesn't make enough sense. Let's have them go to a star. Um, I'm convinced that it, it's so that Kingdom Hearts made more sense. That's why they didn't. <laughs> yeah. This is a long term planning. Was created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Disney and Square Enix were working together for way longer than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> longer than Square Enix existed, probably. Right. Like when did Square that, Enix? Start? Well, that's pretty good. They were doing it post-war, too. That just shows how Japanese U.S. relations were improving. <laughs> <laughs> They're the real reason. Oh, we're, we're, yeah, we're really just going to lead into this joke. Oh, man. So, so Christian, this is your favorite non-Pixar Disney movie. Um, why? Yes. <laughs> well, like I mentioned before, it's this this wondrous story of just going off as children to this amazing place. We get to explore. You get to test out different things. You get to fly around and just enjoy these different uh, biospheres or whatever you have of you know Neverland and seeing how people interact here, seeing the mermaids here, seeing oh you can be a pirate. Or you can fight pirates. It's just that that sense of childish wonder, uh, childlike wonder, I should say, not childish, because we'll get to that in a bit, (laughs) of having fun, a genuine fun. And that's what this movie is to me. Well, yeah. And I think that's what a lot of the spirit of it was, and it's something Disney or Walt brought out really well. Um, Yeah, I, I like, so Wendy, Wendy's part in this really is, pretty fascinating not only because she like every other girl for some reason had a crush on peter pan i I don't like their kids i'm really confused by that that was kind of weird to me but he's a bad boy um, i guess yeah (laughs) but she starts off both the play book movie whatever version of the story i've seen all of them kind of for whatever reason this is her last day as a kid you know it's shown or or represented in different ways, but this is her last day as a kid. So she feels like she's growing up and she doesn't know what to do with that. And then just Peter Pan shows up and takes off to Neverland. It's like, hey, wait a minute. This last day could last forever, right? <laughs> and I don't, that part of the story is always fun. And I, I think what changes her mind is that she brought her brothers and she sees that they need more than that. They need a mother. And Peter also needs a mother, by the way. We see that in some weird ways throughout, but um, let's, I don't want to prolong this too much. So let's just go ahead and uh, let's talk about the Native American people, how they're represented in this film. Um, Tiger Lily is actually a really important part of the story. 
So I'm I'm interested with the live action. Like, are they going to just like try to cut all of that? Are they going to try to do it better? I don't. I'm interested to see what they do with that. In the trailer, it looks like she plays a pretty big role um, in the good. new movie. Um, yeah, it looks like she has a much bigger part and is represented a much better, authentic way. Yeah, I, which I mean, it's a pretty low bar. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hate to say that. Like, I'm I'm glad that Disney has on there the it was wrong then and it's wrong now, mm-hmm. but we want to keep it. Like, I'm glad they have that warning on yeah. Disney Plus because I'm like, yeah, yeah, that uh, why is the red man red? Yeah, yikes. But <laughs> I'd rather they do that than pretend that doesn't exist like to do a song of the south yeah yeah me too i mean it doesn't have to be like a main attraction at your parks it doesn't have to be whatever but like i, I like acknowledging that this happened yeah 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 and learning from it that that's the big thing which i guess we'll see with this new movie how much we learned from <laughs> the cartoon yeah and we also just have to remember when it was made it was not made in 2023 with 2023 sensibilities we can't uh uh, one of my favorite terms discussing this is always C.S. Lewis, chronological snobbery. We can't just assume that since we're from here, that we can just judge them for what they did. It's like, yes, what they did was incorrect. What they did is morally wrong. But remember where they were. They're not where we are today. Yeah. So I'm going to do a little bit of apologetics here <laughs> for for Disney. <laughs> so first, so everybody is aware, the reason that there's the big red flag with why is the red man red is they were called redskins because you know the government had bounties and you'd scalp them and their piece of skin and that's representative of them when you sold them as slaves or whatever that was the redskins so that's why like not cool um but being that i I live around a lot of other people who are in native american cultures enough they don't typically care about that term it's usually just the broader culture that cares about that not that that's an excuse but that's why it didn't get brought up for so long, I feel like. And then you also just have this like, this is a world of what kids imagine things as. I will be honest. I Born 1992, I definitely played Cowboys and Indians growing up and thought nothing of it. I wasn't disrespecting another person's people or anything. I just was playing Cowboys and Indians. That just was a thing. And Walt, even though he may have done it poorly in some cases, wanted to showcase other cultures. So, yeah, he was stereotyping. The way he did it was wrong here, but I do think he probably still had good intent. Probably. Asterisk mark. <laughs> yeah. I think um, I agree with, I think there was, like, no malicious intentions. We obviously can look at it now and be like, no, that wasn't the best way to present that. We as a culture <laughs> yeah. know that now. Um, there was, I was reading into some stuff before this. They did, like, a... NBC Live special, and they took out one of the songs from this, and they hired um, a Native American composer to come in and create new music for it. And one of his comments about it was that the movie was a cultural artifact of its time, place, and purpose. As a culture, we get better. Like we can acknowledge that this was just representative of the time, um, and then we can go and be better. Like we've seen it, we know it's bad. Um, let's not erase it. Let's look at it and then do better. Um, and so they brought him in to create new music. And I appreciate that he was just like, this is just a cultural artifact. It represents the time and place, but we know better now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's um, for sure. I think that we're all on the same page on this one. I don't think this was a main point of the movie. So I wanted to no. address it, but I don't, I don't think we need to sit here too much in it as long no. as we address it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 
I did want to say some of the other things I, I wanted to point out some of the differences between the book and play in the Disney animated film, particularly. So there's a few, the lost boys ending. That one was really weird to me because in the play and book, all of the lost boys were like, wait a minute. Yeah, we do want a mother and they do leave Peter Pan. They don't, you know, stay with him on the ship and go away. And it's not a dream. Instead, they come back and Wendy's mom just straight up adopts all of the Lost Boys. <laughs> so it's uh, in the book and play. It's definitely not a dream. In the Disney movie, they kind of hint that it could have been a dream, maybe. So that's always like kind of interesting. I don't think it was either. Um, but it also seems like it was a thought in their head. Like, yeah, we're going to let these boys be adopted <laughs> during the mother song scene. Yeah. Like they're all like, oh, I had a mother once. And they lay that foundation that maybe in the script somewhere that existed. But then, nah. <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't so a many... dream, you just left them behind. <laughs> yeah. There's so many just like random things that like they either kept or like they hinted at. Like, um, so in the play, it's tradition for the dad and Captain Hook to be played by the same guy. So they did that in the movie too. I thought that was really cool. Um, because so so the other difference that that's a big deal to me, other than the fact that they also with the Lost Boys at the end they were like, oh, let's keep the ship. And Wendy was like, hey, that's not a responsible thing to do. I'm learning to be an adult now. So then they didn't keep the ship. <laughs> so that's a pretty big difference because you know she's learning to be an adult, and that was a pretty big part of the story. The end of the play. This is where like. I'm glad they did not do this for an animated film for kids. This would be bad. <laughs> so they come, all the lost boys get adopted and Peter agrees to visit Wendy once a year. Right. And then the next year he visits and she's asking about all the stuff like, Oh, how's Tinkerbell and all those other things. And he has no idea who Tinkerbell is. He says that fairies live short lives, which we know is not true by most mythologies. So I don't know if he's lying or if that was just how it worked in Neverland, who knows, but he's like, Oh yeah, I forgot about her completely just forgot that Tinkerbell existed. Um, forgot who Captain Hook was completely because he's like, oh yeah, I kill people all the time. I just, you know, I don't remember everybody I kill. And <laughs> Sounds just, like a kid. <laughs> yeah, like he he is just a kid. Uh, to him, this is all yeah. just fun and games and he doesn't understand the seriousness of all it. So he's like, oh yeah, that's right. I used to play that. Well, it's where one of his namesakes is from is the Greek god Pan. And Pan was one of those uh, deities, well, half deity, depending on who you're listening to in Greek mythology, <laughs> much like Peter Pan adaptations, Greek mythology does not have a, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is strictly how things are supposed to be. But Pan was just one of those uh, wild and carefree nature folks who just went around, they'd play the pipes, they'd do all these terrible other things as well, just have <laughs> fun and just be debaucherous. So that's one of the reasons why Peter acts the way he does is based huh. on that, his namesake. See, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So then, the second year, he didn't show up. Third year, he showed up, and I forget some other stuff. And then eventually, he doesn't show up for a lot of years, and he shows up, and Wendy's a full-grown adult with her own kids. And Peter, like, cries because he missed it. And, it, like, it's kind of ambiguous of is he sad that she grew up or is he sad that he didn't grow up with her? And that's just kind of where it ends. And that's a terrible way to end a kid's movie. Glad they didn't do that. But it also... Christian hates ambiguity. This wouldn't be his favorite movie. Anymore. Yes. <laughs> if they made a dollar dream at the end, I'd be so upset. There are other words <laughs> I could use, but I won't. That's funny. But yeah, no, I, I, for one, like that ambiguity of, is he sad that she grew up or is he sad that he didn't grow up with her? Who knows? It's interesting that in Return to Neverland, I think he is with Wendy's kid, right? Like he takes her to Neverland. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't remember that one. Jane or whatever her name was. Who knows? 
who knows? So, so part of the stuff we have Brianna here for some of the technical stuff as someone who is more artistic than either of us, <laughs> what stood out to you about the animation in this film? Oh, the animation that, like I said, that's what I like about this film is the animation and the background art. The background art in this movie is like pieces you would hang in your, I would hang in my house, just the background art of this. The Mermaid Lagoon is absolutely gorgeous. The details on the ship, for something that's just in the background, the amount of attention they gave to it is ridiculous. And then I I know this is a movie animated by the Nine Old Men. Um, Milk Call was one of them, and he did not like animating um, some of the kids and stuff as I was reading, (laughs) but he still gave it so much attention to detail And I know that they use live action references. They had a lot of the voice actors come in and act everything out so that they could pretty much get all the actions in place. And you can see that in the animation. Mm -hmm. Um, The fluid movement for this time era. um, Disney is known for giving top notch (laughs) art, animation, everything. And like it was consistent in this time, too. Yeah. The flying animation, like how they how they were able to do like where he was flying, but it didn't look like he was like. I don't know. Which like, the animators so cool. hated. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> they, they like, did. how are we supposed to do this? <laughs> like, I remember reading one of them was just like, this is so dumb. How are we supposed to do this? Like, <laughs> you know, and they did it well, though. Like, they even got the weight of Wendy when she's jumping off a rock to go and catch up with Peter. <laughs> she's trying to flap her wings like a bird and she's falling a little bit. The way they could manage to get it look like she's trying to keep herself in the air. Like, they got the weight. The understood the weight of how a person trying to flap their arms to fly would look. The technical details that they got in this movie were great. Yeah, it it was it was pretty incredible. And then one that I I really liked about older Disney, how like gag animation, you know, like you don't get a lot of that in like some of the newer stuff, but like just how like the body language and just some of the like funny ways that like Tinkerbell turns red when she's mad or like, you know, they would like with Captain Hook, the one scene, because, you know, Peter Pan can fly, so he gets Captain Hook to walk off the ledge with him, and then he falls. I'm like, yeah, I love gag animations. Just some of my favorite. Like, that's that's funny stuff. Um, Christian, anything stand out to you about just, like, the animation and stuff? Well, I'm going to say I've admitted that for our favorite scenes and the like, but just the, the flying is so much. I, I'm not in any way an animator or, mm-hmm. or a drawer. The best thing creatively I can do is write, but... After that, I have so much appreciation for people who can create such a, a, a truly wondrous yeah. scene as what I'll be talking about later on with their initial flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, then the ship at the end, I, I, like, I thought that was animated really well, too, where like it looks like a ship. But then as it like kind of progresses and zooms in, it like kind of fades into like cloud looking stuff. I was like, that was the like they chose just the right colors that it made sense that it worked out that way. And it's like, I don't know what that's called, but I do know I appreciate it. <laughs> oh man um yeah so also this was was another one so mark davis so i think he's also one of the disney's nine old men he got his start with bambi and then he was given the job of tinkerbell so all the tinkerbell stuff throughout this was all him she like i just forget that she doesn't talk (laughs) like she's able to express so much just with the body language and that's all him and then the way that they do the fairy noise, I thought this was really cool. They got like a, a string that they wired real tight and put a bunch of pieces of aluminum on it. <laughs> that's all it is. It's just like the aluminum clinging together. And I'm like, that's wild. I, how do they think of these things? It's crazy. 
Yeah, it's wild yeah. just how much you're able to give her just without a voice. She has so much personality. Yeah. Yeah. That whole scene of like her and Captain Hook's conversation, it's like that's actually some of the like most well like chemistry and tension in the film. And it's like she didn't even speak. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> how? And she's still doing that beyond the movie. Like she's still there's the clips of her talking to Walt. She's, oh, yeah. you know, in featured in so many different things that her body language is still carrying that like beyond yeah. the movie itself. Oh, 70 yeah. years later. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is like Tinkerbell. Like, we're going to talk about like significance of this movie. She's like Disney's secondary icon, right? Like so you have Mickey Mouse, but then like at the beginning of every Disney movie, Mickey Mouse isn't flying over the castle. <laughs> you you got yeah. Tink. And then like in the fireworks show, you have Tinkerbell flying down from the castle. And it's like, this is awesome. So she's yeah. become such an icon and great character. Um, okay, all right. So let's let's get to let's get to what everybody's waiting for. Rating it zero to ten. I'm gonna go first because I'm afraid I'm gonna have the worst one, and I want to end on a high note. So Christian's gonna have to go last. We may only have two hosts after this. <laughs> <laughs> I still like it better than most movies. I'll probably give it a six out of ten. I, I thought it was good. <laughs> It was great, better than most movies. But especially if I'm thinking Disney, I'm like, man, I would have rather watched Three Caballeros again. Honestly, <laughs> at least uh, you had least. such a terrible time with that. How but at least I get you. Jose. Jose's so cool. <laughs> How dare you open your I mouth Jose. in my presence, boy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so that's I why can't I say much better. I was going to okay. give it a seven. <laughs> you know, I, okay. we just met and you're a wonderful person <laughs> and I have to work with him so I can hate him as much right. as I want. So I can leave and be fine. Like, yeah, we can still be I'll friends be, after this. But yeah. Yeah. So seven out of ten. Why, why a seven? I think the artistic quality of this movie is like one of it shows the Silver Age. You're right. Like this is where they had fun. They were showing off some of their best talent. Um, and I think the concept alone of the movie, even if I don't like certain scenes or it's not one of my favorite movies, I think the concept carries, um, yeah. like you said earlier, just those wonders of childhood. I love that concept and working with people who are involved in the daily story making at Disney, like in the higher up positions, this is one of the concepts that carries throughout to them. So even though it's not my favorite, I'm like, okay, it's still up there for me. It's not Disney's worst. I think the qualities of it are great. It's just not my personal favorite. Um, so I can't give it a 10 because I have others <laughs> that would, you know, yeah. come above that. But I think this is a classic. The concept is seen throughout so much of what Disney does. Um, and the art alone is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. TJ and I irritate Christian because we're like, <laughs> TJ says nothing's perfect. I don't rate off of perfect, but I rate with like, <laughs> I always have in mind of like five being average and like tens being my absolute favorite movies. Mm -hmm. So I think there's only one Disney movie that I might give a 10 to. And I'm not going to say here. I'm going to make people wait <laughs> till we finally get around to that my movie. My list would be so long, so I can't. <laughs> We've only got 40 some to get to. Yeah, <laughs> they'll eventually, they'll figure it out. Well, we're only doing two per era. So mm. they, depending on what era mine's in, they might not have that long, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, you mentioned that the, the concept, something that sticks around for the higher ups as far as like storytelling and stuff goes. Could you speak a little bit more on that before Christian gives yeah. his rating? Um, I know 
at the end of the day, Disney is a company. Um, there's obviously things that people like will criticize <laughs> about it and I will too. Um, but I've been privileged enough to work with a lot of people who either were or are in higher positions within the parks at least. Um, and when you meet them, you understand they genuinely care about the the concept of Disney itself. They want good storytelling that captivates you and keeps that whole childhood alive. Walt Disney wanted that. He thought that, you know, um, he enjoyed laughter. He wanted not just kids to enjoy things, but the whole family to enjoy things. And so working with these people, um, as I've seen the way they operate just in where I've worked with them, um, Disney is in good hands as long as it keeps people <laughs> like that. Um, they yeah. are wonderful people who believe in storytelling. I've worked with people who work with characters who work in the art field. Um, mm. And I remember seeing like the interactions that some of the characters have had with my own daughter. And when I'm telling these people that they're crying with me and I'm just like, <laughs> it's just the sweetest thing. And, you know, makes me want to be a kid again. That's <laughs> the stuff that I had forgotten yeah. about. And so there are still people in the company. <laughs> it's hard to believe sometimes when you see decisions being made. Um, but there are still people in the company who want to keep the magic of childhood alive. Very much so. Yeah. And that's something I definitely see in the parks, maybe more than the movies, even just thinking of like, they do incorporate story somehow, like going through Galaxy's mm -hmm. Edge. There is a story. You know, we went on our honeymoon and my wife had to protect Chewbacca from the stormtroopers. <laughs> and it's like, like the way they they're able to do that. And like, yeah, brings out your inner child. It is. It is incredible. Yeah, that is definitely a virtue of this film. It's just kind of thinking of the inner child. We made Christian wait too long. Christian. <laughs> Christian, right away. <laughs> uh, this is an extremely personal film to me because I would often watch this not only with my mom, but also with my dad. And this is my dad's. If I remember correctly, this is his favorite movie Disney ever made. And I share a lot of qualities with him, especially geek wise. And that's one of the things he always says whenever says uh, people ask him like, why do you have so much geeky stuff around you? Aren't you a man? He says, no, I'm Peter Pan. I don't grow up when it comes <laughs> to this. And I feel the same way. This movie is a 10 out of 10 movie. The only thing <laughs> that beats it is the Incredibles. We'll get to that way later on. <laughs> It has everything I want from a Disney film of this era. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we've mentioned their issues, but they're of the time. So for the sake of a score, I can look past that while still bringing up that this is something that shouldn't happen. I love the flying. I love Peter Pan. I love Wendy and John and Michael and the Lost Boys and Tinkerbell and Captain Hook and Smee and the Crocodile. Everything about this film makes <laughs> me happy. You know, what actually made me really happy when I was doing some like research of like the play and like the original book, because I couldn't I couldn't quite remember some of it and like just trying to figure out what was different and what was the same. Smee is pretty much the same. And I love that because, you know, usually <laughs> Disney like makes up those funny characters and adds them. The fact that Smee was just always a part of this is great. <laughs> so Smee is one yeah. character that my dad would constantly quote. So it stuck with <laughs> us. Like Smee is the one that hung around. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So real quick, um, I'm going to do this uh, turntable style. We'll just all do one of each. So I'll start with favorite song. Um, for me, it's obviously it could be either of the pirate songs, you know, whether you want to be a good crook with Captain Hook or <laughs> or a pirate's life for me. I love both of them. I love pirates. So that was a no brainer. Brianna, if you had to pick a favorite song from this film, it would be pirate's life or second start of the right. <sighs> nice. I heard Pirate's Life. Um, <laughs> Christian. <laughs> Favorite song? It's going to be uh, You Can Fly. Yeah. 
I mean, it just sets the tone for the movie perfectly of this. You just got to believe you're capable of it. Think of a happy thought, any little happy thought or merry thought or however the heck it goes. It's been a while. Faith and, and a little bit of fairy dust. Yeah. It, it's, such a, <laughs> it's such a childish thing to believe, but you see an emotion like, yeah, I get it. I want to do the exact same thing they're doing on screen right now. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Okay. So favorite character. This one's rough because you guys know I love pirates so much. And if we're talking about like some of the other adaptations, I would almost always say Captain Hook. He's so cool. But in this animated one, Tinkerbell was just done too well. Like I can't not say Tinkerbell. She had so much personality, so much sass, such like a independent, strong woman. Kind of like I'm like, yeah, no, I like her. We would be friends in real life. <laughs> so I got to go with Tink. Um, Brianna, favorite character. Tinkerbell is really fun. I, when I was rewatching it, I realized I really love Michael. Like my yeah. kids at that age right now and just the silliness and the like <laughs> defiantness of the way he answers some stuff. Mm. Um, I love that because I'm like, yep, that's my kid. Like 100% face paint on, dressed up. Like, no, I'm not, I'm never going to sleep. Like they, they <laughs> perfect child, um, childhood playing right there. So perfect. right now it's Michael. All right. Christian. Yeah, I had a hard time bearing this down from from Peter Pan or Captain Hook or Tinkerbell. But, I mean, a great villain is always going to make a great story. And Captain Hook's a really great villain. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad someone said Hook still. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just love Tink, man. Um, So for favorite scene, this will be our last one that we're going to pick a favorite of. It's hard for me because I really do love Peter Pan and Captain Hook fighting the first time where Pan tricks him. But I'm going to say their last fight scene, of course, I'm still choosing a fight scene, (laughs) but because they have this subtle like hints throughout the movie of like when Cook's talking about how, you know, Pan fed the crocodile his hand and all this stuff where it keeps talking about that's bad form. That's bad form. He won't fight me fair. So when you finally get to the part where Pan fights him fair and still wins. So I don't know. Something's I find that satisfying that the the part of me that loves one piece was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Honor. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) So that was something I really enjoyed. Um, Brianna, do you have a favorite scene? Um, I really love the Mermaid Lagoon scene, just the visual aspect of it. The colors on it are super unique and original. Um, It was heavily influenced by Mary Blair, so I'm biased on that. She is (laughs) like top-notch Disney artist goddess. Like, um, So that visually is my favorite scene. (laughs) Well, I want to make Christian wait a little bit longer again. Tell, could you tell us a little bit more about like, why Why do you, you brought up Mary Blair a couple of times. Why is that so special to you? Mary Blair is a highly influential Disney artist. Um, she started in the ink and paint, I believe. Um, but if you look up a lot of the movies in this time era, she was the one who created that looks, even though her style doesn't match Disney style. She's the reason you have the colors, the scenes, the looks for a lot of stuff. And she's the creator of it's a small world, which is polarizing ride. But, um, (laughs) she had a lot of play in the parks and in the, um, art world and has influenced several artists today. Um, if you look up a lot of the visual development artists now, uh, Brittany Lee, um, Lainey Lee, um, Victoria Ying. There's just a ton of artists now who were influenced. Joey Chu were influenced by Mary Blair. So she is kind of one of those background characters who has played a major part in a lot of what we see in Disney now um, and has influenced me personally. I named my daughter's middle name is Blair. So she's a big artist in my (laughs) line of, you know, she is one of my biggest, even though I don't share the same style as far as influences go, she's top notch in my, my line of sight. 
Yeah, I'm glad I asked. That's that's pretty cool. I yeah. um yeah, that kind of makes me think. I know a little bit different, but of like the early Tim Burton stuff that's in like in like Fox and the Hound and different things, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, no, it, it was definitely a different style, but man, did it oh, yeah. add a lot to the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Christian, favorite scene. I'll let you. Actually, you know what? Let's skip Christians. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he talks too much anyway. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the final fight's a really good one. The Mermaid Lagoon's a really good one. But once again, it's, uh, to pair up with my song, it's that opening scene of them uh, flying about England. And you go by the clock tower and you just see them just experiencing this wonderful idea that they can't normally do of just flying around. It's like, how envious can you be in that moment? I'm super envious right now, all these years later. Like, why can't I do that? (laughs) You know, I have to tell you. That's part of the ride. Oh, yes. Yeah, the ride. You know, this is like like one of the like weirdest things that I do. But like everybody who listens to the show knows that I'm obsessed with Kingdom Hearts. So I I, I definitely have beaten that game every year for like 20 years or something at this point. I don't know. I... I do this thing when I beat the Peter Pan level because you end up by the clock tower that I sit there with my phone and I play the We Can Fly song and just fly around it for a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, that's satisfying. It's just a satisfying <laughs> thing to do. So I, I get it. It's a good scene. Oh, yes. Oh, man. All right. So we, we've brought up a few times the the childlike attributes that are highlighted in this. It kind of your inner child as opposed to, which I know Christian hinted this earlier, so I might let him start this. As opposed to being childish, unlocking your inner child or holding on to some childlike attributes. It's real difficult because you hear your entire life growing up, grow up, quit being a child, (laughs) forgetting that there are really great parts of being a kid that if you lose them as an adult, you've lost your way. Mm -hmm. And the, the difference between being childlike and childish is a very fine line, like I can be very childish sometimes. I will troll Joshua every waking second. (laughs) But sometimes I can be childlike in that same regard. If it goes too far in one direction, I'm hurting him versus me being playful with him. That's more childlike. It's okay to make fun of people. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to enjoy these geeky things. That's why we do what we do. But if I make that my whole life, I'm losing myself. So I'm being childish, which is what children do. They lose themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Well, See, I'll go to like back to Kingdom Hearts then. Like for me, I think the difference is the childlike part of me is, hey, I have an hour of free time. I'm going to relive this thing that makes me happy and brings out my inner child. Right. The childish part is I need to go to work, but I'm going to call out sick and instead play Kingdom Hearts. You know, that's where it's like, okay, that's that's not cool, Josh. (laughs) Can't do that. Yeah. That aspect of having um, just child like the childlike wonder and all is something that I've had to reevaluate the last couple years. Um, pandemic hit right around the time I had a kid. Yeah. And so I was already heavily emotional and then you had lockdown and all those things in. And that was a concept that was something I had to revisit a lot. Um, I did an art series that was me diving mm-hmm. into um, the laughter of a child, like how going back down to that, like when you hear a kid laugh, cause you know, I was dealing with this newborn and all those things. Um, so having that sense of childlike wonder in a time where it just seemed like there was bad news all the time, or you couldn't escape just all that, um, was something that I had to reevaluate. And so I have a greater appreciation for it, for it in the last couple of years of getting down to that simplicity of just having childlike joy, um, 
and not being so bogged down or caught up in all those bad things. Um, finding that laughter, even in bad times. <laughs> so that was something I appreciate the concept of this movie for that reason, because that was a big turning point for me. And it's a concept that's really close to me. And a lot of the artwork that I've been doing the last couple of years. Oh yeah. Get that. I, um, if we're talking about the pandemic, so this is another one that I'm going to step on some toes, but I don't care. <laughs> there was definitely some people who got childlike with the with like having fun mask and having fun with it because you know if you're gonna have this terrible time you might as well do do something silly with it and then you have the childish people of well masks don't do anything so i'm not gonna wear it and like okay whether you believed that or not it didn't hurt you to wear it and you're just being childish and trying to say i don't have to listen to you i don't have to listen to authority i don't have to do this and it's like okay dude grow up (laughs) sorry yeah yeah i'll second that (laughs) thanks i'm glad i'm not out here alone um so, so far as like where Jesus tells us to be childlike, what is a, what do we mean by On that? childlike faith? Well, I thought about that a lot because I knew that was a concept that <laughs> you'd probably touch on. Um, and I think when I'm reading the scripture that I feel, Matthew, that you're going to talk about, um, when he tells, um, let's see, I had it written down. And he says, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm thinking about that. And for me, it was, what's your definition of kingdom of heaven? Because that changes the meaning of what he's talking about to me. Um, I know a lot of people will say the kingdom of heaven is where you're trying to go. So that's a different thing. For me, it's about bringing the kingdom of heaven here and now. So for me, that changes the meaning of how can I become like a little child in order to bring the kingdom of heaven here and now. And as I watch kids interact right now, we're in a space where we get to go to Disney a lot, which is (laughs) nice and fun. And honestly, most of our days are spent on playgrounds, but I watch the way these little kids interact with each other and the way they play. And it's so imaginative and so freeing. Um, I watch the way um, Emery interacts with other kids. We just went on a vacation and I remember one day this little boy comes up and is like in Emery's face and is laughing and talking. And if a person came up to me and I'd be like, okay, you need to get out of my bubble right now. Like, please go away. But she just starts laughing with him. And they were just talking gibberish three-year-old talk about, you know, where we're at. And for me, that was, I've seen that in her so much. And having childlike faith is just being so loving and so freeing and so imaginative there's like no worries in her mind except that she needs a snack right now or you know it's so simple (laughs) the issue she has but if I want to bring the kingdom of heaven here and now that means I'm going to have to let down some walls and I'm going to have to show love and I'm going to have to just let go of some of these you know things that I am letting weigh me down or things Mm -hmm. these barriers that I'm putting up so mine's not as much focused on where I'm going it's what I'm trying to do right here and now And I think that's a big thing of this is having that childlike wonder. Um, One more note and then I'll stop talking. (laughs) A big part of me in the last couple of years has been a big faith transition of I'm not trying necessarily to evangelize and do all these things, but I'm trying to focus on, again, bringing kingdom of heaven to earth here now. What does that mean? And I've gained a much better sense of all for God and creation and all these things that I didn't have before. And that has been from changing that lens to a childlike lens. Everything is magical. Everything <laughs> is wonderful. And because of spirituality, because of, you know, that faith that I have, I connect that with God, that that wonder and that magic is something that I've regained. And to me, that's what this movie ties in a little bit is like seeing everything through that wonderful, magical lens. 
That was a really long answer. I'm sorry, but <laughs> no, that was good. That's that was good. That's how I tie that into all this. I'm glad I don't have to follow it. Christian, follow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's a reason Jesus chooses his words the way he does in that you need to be like a child because not because children are gullible or stupid, but because children are pure and innocent when it comes to believing something like I think of me as a kid, the way I really got into stuff. And one of the kids my mom watches right now has very similar interests when it comes to like <laughs> studying reptiles and dinosaurs. And like, we can both yeah. converse about that and be like, we are a hundred percent interested. We are invested in this thing. It is the only thing that matters in the world. <laughs> and that's how we should be about Jesus. Yeah. How we should be about the kingdom of heaven is pursuing that. Not that we're ignoring everything else, not that we can't participate in anything else, but that is our mission is to not only bring ourselves closer, but those around us, if, it, if, if at all possible. And I, I can't help but think of, showing my age here, uh, the Missing Person <laughs> song by Michael W. Smith. I think it came out in like 98. Mm-hmm. And there's that line, you know, of uh, there was this missing person I used to know, but it, he's gone. And I've completely butchered the song. But like, I, I, want, I want to find that missing person again. That little child that said yes to Jesus and kept pursuing him. <laughs> Like, where did he go? Yeah. Why can't I be him? I have so much to say about this topic. I'm going to try to condense. Um, so first, let me say, I think what the movie's talking about when it's talking about, like, kind of the childlike magic and all that really kind of stops at the fun part and just remembering to enjoy yourself, joy and that kind of like how we relate to others stuff. So I'm going to take the conversation further than the movie did, acknowledging that's not what the movie was trying to say. So I. Uh, there's so many different places in the Bible where it talks about this stuff. So back when we did our One Piece episode, I was trying to remember the name of the movie. It's Risen, where this Roman soldier is trying to find what happened to the body of Jesus. And he runs to the disciples and Jesus and seeing them laughing and having a good time. That scene stood out to me so much because we always see Jesus and the disciples as so stoic in films. So seeing them laughing and having a good time, that's where I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's that childlike whatever. Because so much, especially... In our culture, it's, you know, being a man, being a grown up is kind of you're supposed to be jaded. You're supposed to kind of keep a stern face all the time. And it's like, yeah, you're not supposed to have like emotions. And I'm like, that, that's dumb. So get that piece out of the way. That's dumb. Um, <laughs> but also there there are parts of the Bible like uh, where Paul talks about, you know, when I was a child, I thought like a child. And then, you know, when I grew up, I thought like a grown up, you know, he's like, I, I used to need milk and now I need meat. So there is this aspect of maturity and growing up that is still important in the Bible. But like we mentioned, Jesus says, unless you become like a child, you can't get into the kingdom. A lot of the Bible kind of seems contradictory when you put them side by side. I know that bothers some people, but it's true. And I think it's because you can find bigger truths by seeing where the contradictions, air quotes, are. I have to say air quotes for the listeners. Um, (laughs) So I I think what Paul's getting at is I need to yearn to learn more about God and to care about theology and all that. But I also think at the same time, when I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven, I need to have that childlike thing of not just kind of saying, hey, you believe in Jesus, too. That's so cool, man. Let's be friends and not. Wait a minute. You mean you're not a Calvinist? Wait a minute. You're only a three point. I'm a four point. (laughs) You know, we're like, you know, it's just guys, you believe in Jesus. That's cool. Let's be friends. Like, you know, that's part of the kingdom of heaven is that childlike mindset. But also keeping where I do want to learn the stuff of what is Calvinism? What are the points? What do I believe? What do I not believe? And still wanting to have the meat for myself, 
but having that childlike wonder of, hey, you like Jesus too. Let's be friends. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's that whole thing when Paul is writing that in Corinthians is I put aside childish things like <laughs> asking yeah. stupid questions or not being willing to learn things that don't apply to me at that moment or not wanting to focus on the bigger issues at hand. But becoming a man, becoming a man in faith is like discussing things that as a child you go, I don't want to touch that. Mm-hmm. But like you need to do those things. So I don't see, I, not that you said there was a contradiction there, but I don't <laughs> see such a thing because it, it's the same thing. Paul is asking us what Jesus said to do just in a different way. Be childlike, get rid of things. I, like I no longer, I carried a blanket for like mm-hmm. years as a child. I don't go around my seminary classes be like, hey guys, well, I got my thumb in my my mouth and you know, my blanket in the other hand. Yeah. You know, I needed to man up in that regard. But there are still things that bring me security now, and I can use those as a man. It could be friends. It could be it, it can be Jesus who brings me security. I'll do another one that's kind of outside of the Bible realm. Just uh this is just my personal beliefs. I feel like that's just something I need to put out there. I think it's childish when people are actively trying to act like they don't like childish things, if that makes sense. Because when I was a kid is when I was like, no, I don't like superheroes anymore. I don't like Disney anymore. I like action. You know, I like this. And, you know, and then when I grew up, I realized, wait a minute, I don't care what other people think. I have two Darkwing Duck comics just sitting on my desk right now out in the open. And I'm proud of that (laughs) because I don't, you know, when you mature, you learn that. What other people think don't matter so much. Yeah, Brianna, you haven't had to deal with this, but every conversation I have with Joshua now, it's like, okay, we need to do this for the podcast. Is we're going to be recording this week. Oh, by the way, Darkwing Duck. It's like, <laughs> and I'm not saying that's against him. I find it funny because he is acting childlike in that regard for his love of something. So I want to appreciate that for that. And I'm sorry for interrupting. I mean, you. That's the ultimate '90s kid. So I mean, you got to include yeah. Darkwing Duck whenever you can. Like, <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> see, Christian. <laughs> I, I get you. what you're saying. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I um, I was just gonna add to that, letting people just like what they like, um, and having a greater appreciation for the differences in people. Um, mm-hmm. I, because of where I've worked last couple months. I get to see the way people connect to certain things that other people might think are silly, but seeing that emotion for them at a lady who's come last year and this year to buy paintings from the tent I'm working mm-hmm. of star Wars. And she cries every time she buys them and star Wars is fun. Like, you know, it's just a fun movie and she cries every time because her connection is her cancer battle. And so for her, it was like, this was the thing that got me through it. This was my motto. And she comes and buys from the artists I work for every year. So I have a greater appreciation and that childlike thing is like, oh, you like that? Like, I like that too. Or like, don't beat people down. I 100% agree with yeah. that. Like appreciating the differences we have or letting people just enjoy things and have fun. Yeah. Christian. And following up with that, just bring up Star Wars sparks something in my mind. <laughs> Me too. And that is, I'm sure people around here know I'm the number one hater of the sequel trilogy. <laughs> I cannot stand it. I lose my childlike sense of wonder watching it. But if that's where I remain, I am being childish. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm not allowing other people to enjoy it, I'm saying because I feel so personally offended by this, everyone else does too. We know who else does that? Children. Yeah. That is childish. I, I need to be childlike and like, oh man, you're a fan of this? Like, I just watched this the other day. It's so fun. And yeah. there's a time and a place 
for legitimate arguments, and I have many against a sequel trilogy. But if that's all, if the, I just remain in that hate, I'm not focusing on a love I need to be focusing on. Yeah. Just yeah. tune in to eventually we'll do this debate where I mention why I believe The Last Jedi is the third best Star Wars film. Um, <laughs> so good. Um, <laughs> You're why I don't believe in universalism. Uh, I, it's me. Um, <laughs> no, I know when I first saw the, the Millennium Falcon in Disney World at Galaxy's Edge, there's this picture. Tiffany took just it's funny. She took a natural photo because she just wanted to get my initial reaction. But it so much looks like a stage photo of me pointing with my jaw dropped. <laughs> but that was like just actually genuinely my reaction. I started tearing up afterwards because I was like, there's this thing that since I was a kid that I just always imagined. And here it is in front of me. And that's I don't know. It's moving to let yourself be childlike and just experience yeah. the emotion, the joy. And, you know, I, I would say love of Star Wars. C.S. Lewis would agree, but others might argue with me if that's love or not. Up to you. <laughs> Um, did y'all have anything else you wanted to add to this conversation before we moved on to wrapping this up? I'm Ooh, good. I did want to mention some of the other places we saw these characters, which I don't know if you guys know other ones, but um, there is the the ride. We mentioned the Peter Pan ride. Walt personally had his hand in making some of that. He wanted it to feel like you're flying because that's something everybody's always wanted to feel like Christian mentioned earlier. And to this day, it still has one of the longest lines and I don't get it. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, don't think I, I waited an hour plus the last time we were there. <laughs> I am not willing to wait over an hour for it. Like, I like it, but not that much. My dad wanted to do it to recreate a childhood. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> That's funny. Um, it was part of the original electric light parade, which is one of my favorite, like, classic Disney things you can see around the parks. Um, we mentioned the Hook movie, Once Upon a Time. Of course, Kingdom Hearts, the big one. <laughs> Um, were there any other things that you guys can think of, like where you see this? I know the rides everywhere except for Disneyland and Hong Kong. Well, as far as Kingdom Hearts is concerned, I yes. remember Birth by Sleep more than I do Kingdom Hearts 1. And it's specifically because it's around that part of the game when you finally get EXP Walker. So I walked all around Neverland <laughs> as much as I could just to get more XP. And it's a very beautiful, <laughs> very beautiful location. Yeah. It's a fun fly. The way they did the flying mechanic was a lot of fun in the original. I like that. But <laughs> Brianna, can you think of any other places we see these characters or anything that's like stands out to yes, you? Yes. During the pandemic, I saw all of the Tinkerbell movies. So <laughs> there are a lot of Tinkerbell movies. Oh, and she actually talks in those, doesn't she? She does. It's a whole expansion yeah. of Neverland's lore, yes. I guess. Pixie what? Hollow. <laughs> Interesting. What do, you, what do y'all think? Do you think she's going to talk in the live action film? It looked like she did. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember that in the trailer or not. I'm okay with it if she does. I don't have. I don't feel like they need to keep her from talking. I feel like most live action reboots. I'm not excited about. But to me, Peter Pan is kind of like Santa Claus. Everybody can have their own version of him, and it's fine because he's been done so often. He's yeah. a spirit to me, like Santa Claus, is like the spirit <laughs> of childhood. You know youth i think that's what they say in the movie but um it looks good uh, so to me i'm just like yeah you can make another peter pan it's fine yeah i like how hook looks i'm excited for that christian you have a as as far as disney live action goes other than beauty and the beast i haven't really liked any of them the, of the, the ones i've seen I, I was not a big fan of the way they did aladdin there's only one problem i had with that one but that's for and another that, podcast oh boy <laughs> but I don't know. They'd be kind of hit or miss. Yeah. It looks like a bigger focus on Wendy in the story. So that'll be interesting to yeah. see 
how they approach that. I'm all for that. Also, the other direct-to-Disney Plus live actions were good. Dumbo, Lady and the Tramp. Those were good. I haven't seen. You should at least watch Lady and the up. Tramp. It's pretty much just the same movie, but with real dogs. So that's yeah, probably I why I gave up on it. a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. All right. So with that, guys, we're going to wrap this one up. We will be doing an episode about live action Disney. So come back for that. Check it out. Um, and we like to start our wrap ups with recommendations. And I'm going to start with a recommendation. You know, we talked about learning to just kind of like what you like um, in our store. We have a shirt that has a bunch of different icons on the front of just random things that the hosts have mentioned liking. And then the back says, like what you like and don't be a jerk. So I do recommend you check out that shirt. Also, obviously, I recommend Kingdom Hearts. Play Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Christian, <laughs> any recommendations for everybody? If you would like a movie with better First Nations representation, I would highly recommend you watch Prey, which is the newest film in the Predator franchise. It's a prequel to the other films. And it is uh, just stellar. Nice. Okay. Brianna, did you have any recommendations for everybody? I'm just going to go back to what I talked about at the beginning, that Voices Rising uh, series or episode on Disney Plus does a great job of showing the um, the different instruments used by ancient cultures and by modern cultures uh, combining together. It was really, really good. Um we are petitioning to bring that composer to do the new Epcot show. That is Ooh. our wish is for him to just like take that over. He's that wonderful. Cool. So that is that was great for us. It was a good watch. That is pretty cool. I um the last Epcot show just so happened in the finale to combine a song from my favorite Disney movie and from my wife's favorite Disney movie as like a mashup. And I was like, wow, this is okay, cool. Disney still has got that magic, you know? Yeah. So. If you're looking for clues to Joshua's favorite Disney movie, check out what it was at that time, and you may just uh, narrow it down. I, I feel like I've probably mentioned on other episodes, too, but yeah, whatever. If you guys want to see other episodes that we do, you can go to systematicgeekology.org, hit the host tab. My name and Christian name's there. There's a guest tab. You can see other guests who've been on the show. You know, just see what else we're up to if you want, or if you want to avoid episodes we're on. That's always a good way to, to know which ones to avoid. And of course, guys, we need you to do one important thing for us and to remember that we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.